Hello, and welcome to the end of year episode of Ask a Jew, where a holy woman and a not so holy secular girl uh, talk about everything. We are the Paris Hilton and Nicole Ritchie of Judaism. Are we not, Chayale? Oh my God, what a comparison. Who do you want to be? Comparison. <clears throat> Definitely Paris. Come on. Okay, yeah. She's well, the I cooler want to be Paris. Can we take turns? Yes. I want okay. to be the Kim Kardashian of that you, situation. You, you, I, I don't think we're there yet. Um, I think we can be, how about we be Paris Hilton and Nikki Hilton? Who's Nikki? Her sister. No. I don't oh, even know who God. she is. I Your upbringing was so sheltered. <laughs> so sheltered. That so you don't even know who Nikki Hilton is. Nikki Hilton. <laughs> Uh, how are you doing? Happy almost end of 2021. I know. Happy almost end of 2021. I cannot believe that I did not even know you before this year. Isn't that weird? Wow. Your life has changed so much. It really has. It's would like a different say, world. Would you say that meeting me is the most important thing that's happened to you this year? Possibly the last... What? what when did you have your last son? 12 years ago. Well, possibly the last 12 years. Um. Hmm. Yes. Let's just say okay. I'll say yes for the purposes of this podcast. No, I mean, I, you know, people, I don't want to get into the whole long story right now of how we met, but obviously we met through uh, Fifth Column Avenue, you know, Fifth Column Avenue. And uh, mm-hmm. it's been unbelievable. I mean, I made yeah. so many new friends this year. And we're recording from their studio right now. They're kind <laughs> of like our. Um, you know how Blocked and Reported is their like sister podcast or their child podcast? I think yeah, we're, we're like we're like their child podcast, except they're like the deadbeat dad that doesn't acknowledge us. No, no, no. <laughs> I think we're like the Cinderella that like they don't even know. We're like stepchildren that were kept in a room locked up somewhere. Well, in an attic, probably because in an attic. Switch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, we but- we did meet through uh, a podcast that we both listened to called. The fifth column. Um, if you don't listen to that, you should. Um, Absolutely. And but I'm very grateful to them because they've really built a beautiful community around their podcast without yeah. them trying at all. Yeah, and, um, and, and, and not caring. Not <laughs> exactly. Them not caring and actively running away from us. We have persevered and we have a beautiful community. Yeah. Yeah. M- much, much like the Jewish people. We have persevered. <laughs> We've come together. We have very strange rituals. Exactly. Uh, no, but it is it is it is lovely. Um, we've met a lot of wonderful people, and uh, we met on a on a Zoom where I I had noticed your name and immediately right. kind of beelined to you, and be like, what's what's this other Jew doing here? Because it's not exactly yeah. I mean, how were you able to tell that I was Jewish? I'm not <laughs> even sure. <laughs> your horns. My horns. <laughs> You know, in a sea of, you know, Jims and Johns, there was Chaylea. So Justin. yeah, else. just <laughs> a lot yeah. of a lot of Justins and Chaylea and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I can't believe it's only been a year. I feel like I've known you for much longer. I know, um, it's true. Which is a good thing. Um and yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm people are keep keep saying like I'm glad so glad this year is over. But it's not like January first we're gonna like everything's gonna be different, right? <laughs> I mean, 2022 just seems shitty already. I don't know. And I'm generally like an optimistic person, but man, like it's just if you watch the news or pay attention to anything, it's just stressful. People are like not excited. 
I think this COVID hitting again is really bumming people out. Yep. Um, speaking about COVID, uh, yes. how are you feeling, Miss COVID? I am. I am a COVID survivor. <laughs> you are two time, um, two time COVID survivor. I think we should make like a little pin or something. Um, oh my yeah. god. You have to do all your throat clearing, though, and announce that you have been vaccinated twice, et cetera, et cetera. So well, God I've forbid. been telling people I have been vaccinated, but as, as a joke, I've been telling people, you know, when I text some friends and stuff, I'm like, yeah, I have COVID. And then I say, I guess I should have gotten vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> like three people think that's funny, like me and you and like oh my God. one more person. Um, I am vaccinated. I did have COVID. Uh you know, I don't believe in it. I think it's a, a you know, a plot by the government. No, I'm kidding. I, I think I took most of the precautions. I didn't get my booster because I had COVID earlier this year. Right. And now, like an idiot, uh, I had it again. And uh, I was at a a party and uh, half the people at that party are dead now. No, um, no, <laughs> they're not dead. No. But half the people at that party um, have COVID. I really dislike this like moral reckoning that people are having over this new strain of COVID. Like it's nobody's fault. People get it. It's mm-hmm. not, I, I don't, not to get into the whole vaccine controversy. I mean, obviously I truly believe that everybody should get vaccinated immediately, but like my friends, I, I've seen people on social media posting paragraphs long essays okay mm-hmm. how they have done everything right and they are triple vaccinated and they can't understand how they got covid i mean it's a virus like and my christmas is ruined first of all like, shut up everybody's christmas is ruined i know okay it's just i have no patience for it um yeah yeah i know we all did everything right and the universe gave us covid anyway i i'm also not a big fan of this whole whining thing i i did i got covid uh, the first time in March, between my first and second shots, by the way, um, yeah. I really I feel like I should be on an episode of like medical mysteries or something. <laughs> um, but I also, you know, for a year that was that was exactly a year uh, in COVID, and it's not like I loosened up or changed the way I behaved. I did the exact right. same things I had done all year, which is, you know, be outdoors with friends, not go to anything. There was nothing to do indoors, but you know. Right wear my mask if I had to go into a store or something. And guess what? I got COVID. But the good news, if, um, you know, or bad news, however you want to look at it, is that, and this is medical advice, by the way. So you should- As uh, two doctors yes, in the yes. medical field, you <laughs> and I should definitely be giving advice. I know people say this isn't medical advice, but I, I feel comfortable <laughs> giving medical advice. Uh, no. <laughs> I have what an I wanted- MD from WebMD, so yeah, I feel good. exactly, from Google. But what I wanted to say is that, um, you know, like I said, I'm vaccinated. Everybody at the party was vaccinated and boosted. Um, so it, it's like, you know, whatever, you're probably going to get it. Uh, hopefully it will continue to be mild like it was exactly. for 99.9% of population, including myself and my friends who are ranging different ages and and health uh, situations. Uh, And yeah, stop looking for somebody to blame all the time. I know. I had COVID in March of 2020 and it was, it was scary um, because 
no one really knew much. And it was like in the beginning of March and it was nobody, the doctors in Long Beach wouldn't even like see us. They didn't have testing. Like nobody knew what was going on. And mm-hmm. all we had was news from like Italy and China where like yeah, people were dying. dropping dead all over town. And it was, it was scary. But once we passed that like initial, you know, few days of like, having have fever and my husband lost his taste and smell, but like, then it was okay. Not to yeah. belittle the fact that, you know, 800,000 people have died in our country and millions yeah. around the world, but we have to like calm down and accept it as a cold and just try our best to stay healthy and go back to regular life. Yeah. And it, and it is scary, you know, it's especially if, you know, all the unknowns and I, I didn't lose taste and smell, but I, I'd imagine that would be just pretty scary or body doing something that that yeah. you're not used to and then you know there there's a beautiful um photo book um from israel of a photographer who usually does like war photography so he goes in with soldiers and stuff and at the beginning of the pandemic like the height of it um people you know people weren't allowed to go into the hospital everyone was like wearing like hazmat suits right right and um, and then I think somebody in, in typical Israeli fashion, somebody said, well, why, why aren't we allowing people to go in and say goodbye right. to their loved ones? And then, oh, that was and then the doctors were like, uh, yeah, actually, why aren't we? So they did that. And this photographer spent, I don't know, a few weeks with this, uh, in this hospital. And it's such a beautiful book. It's like heartbreaking, but you see oh. like all the nurses and you know, the people saying goodbye to their loved ones and people trying to kind of keep their chin up. But everybody, it looks like a scene from a, like a sci-fi movie. Wow. Because everybody's still, you know, dressed up. But I still feel like, I, I don't know about you, but it's been almost two years. And I still do like a double take sometimes when I walk into a restaurant and it says, you know, masks required, not not from a political point, right. but from a... What, where, like, where are we? I know, it's crazy. What, what's happened that this is like the most normal thing in the world to wear a I mask? I mean, sorry to make a very hard right turn here, but <laughs> I am, I'm sitting on the, on the strip in Las Vegas. And <laughs> if I don't sound myself, it's because I'm hungover. And um, that's from like half a margarita and three sips of a Bloody Mary. I'm such a lightweight. And by the way, that's Hialeah speaking, the the Haredi <laughs> one. I, I'm Yael, the one with COVID, who's sitting here at home. Yeah, that's I know. One. I mean, it was, you know, the the penny slots are just absolutely <laughs> made for me. I started with $100 last night, and I won, at one point, I won a jackpot of $135. Wow. And so I was up to like, you know, 250 or something. I felt like the richest person on the planet. I want to make so many anti-Semitic jokes right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. But How I'll tell you something. How did people react? Were you there with Baruch and the kids? I am here. I'm here with one of our sons and my husband. But um, when, when you won, when you won, did you oh, all no, join no, no, hands no. and like dance the horror around the slot machine? Yeah, it was crazy. They threw me out of the casino. They're like, we can't have such big winners here. Like, <laughs> You can't come back here. Yeah. They're like, you can't come back here. I mean, it was just, it was a scene. But I mean, you can sit there for days at the penny slots. It's amazing. Casinos make make the majority of their income from the penny slots, including. Yeah. And another fun fact that I know about Vegas. um, (laughs) Do you know who makes the most money in Vegas? Who? Guess. Like what profession? 
Oh, what profession? I mean, the oldest profession in the world? No, not really. No. <laughs> no. Oh, I was thinking of prostitutes. Yeah. Not um, prostitutes. Oh, I don't know. Valet people? Yes, valet. Oh, really? Valets make the most money uh, in Vegas because, wow. presumably, just because um, valet is parking is free in Vegas, which I don't know why people don't talk about that more. I think that's the most exciting thing about Vegas that yeah. all parking everywhere is free. So people just tip the valets a lot of money. Yeah, you do. It's true. Uh, but um, I do yeah, it. it's it's really interesting here. I mean, I was here in June of 2020 when everybody was like huddled inside their houses. We came to Vegas and it was empty. Um, it is the opposite now. It is packed. The streets wow. are packed. The hotels are packed. Everywhere you go is just jammed with people, families. Um, so yeah, it's different. Did um, you go to see uh, Thunder Down Under, the male Thunder. show from yeah. Australia? My 12-year-old son really was uh, excited. <laughs> no, we are not seeing any shows. Um, one of the reasons Wait, we come here... Food? Oh, good question. Is there kosher food in Las Vegas? So that's one of the reasons we come here on vacation because there are about seven kosher restaurants around Las Vegas. Wow. I know. I know. It's amazing. So that, is there a buffet? No, I wish. <gasps> How did nobody make a kosher buffet? Are you kidding? That is the biggest money loss ever. I mean, right, right. how would they make the penny? Like bags and like Tupperware I mean, containers. <laughs> of course. And like with all our kids, I mean, can you imagine family rolls up with eight kids? Like oh, we're here for lunch. I mean, they clean it out but immediately. The, the beautiful thing about a, about a Vegas buffet. I mean, and if you haven't been to like, God bless this country. <laughs> just... The, the like a buffet at Vegas. It's just one of the most magical like <laughs> things that I've ever seen in my life. But you get like it, it's like eleven a.m. and you take a plate and you have like a pancake and like a oh crab leg and a piece of sushi and like a a, a, a three layered like chocolate cake. <laughs> oh my god, that's so random. It is. It is wonderful. no. But we I've really been enjoying the food. We went to this Chinese kosher Chinese restaurant called Chinglish which I couldn't decide if that was offensive or I'm not even sure how to feel about the name of the restaurant, but it was delicious. They have another place called Burnt Offerings. That was, I mean, they just, the kosher food here is really outstanding. Wow. And are there non-Jews there? Are there just people who are like, this is good Chinese food? No. Oh, because there's a, because there's a, why would you go there and pay so much money when you can (laughs) probably get it at Panda Express for like a dollar 99. There's a, uh, a restaurant here in, in Chinatown, actually, that's a um, a kosher vegetarian restaurant. Oh, and I think these I think these Chinese people are so smart. I realize that even sounds racist, but <laughs> I think the people from the restaurant are so smart because they make they they want to have a vegetarian restaurant, and they're like, we might as well get a kosher kosher, right? So, but you know, it's good because it's all like Orthodox people and Chinese people. Yeah, that's there. so funny. Well, in LA, there's a Chinese restaurant on Pico called Shanghai that mm-hmm. was owned by, it was a non-kosher restaurant. And then the owners, I guess, looked around at the neighborhood and were like, we should make this kosher. And they did. And it's a great restaurant filled with, you know, Jews now. And it's Absolutely. delicious. Amazing. Yeah. Jews I, I love, love Chinese food. I love when like culture is also meld like that. There's, um yeah. A kosher, an Israeli kind of kosher supermarket on the Upper West Side. Um, and sometimes I'll go there to buy like specialty items. And I went there before Passover and I wanted to buy bamba. You, you've had oh, bamba, yeah. right? It's like um, the peanut snack. 
And um, I'm explaining this to my listeners, obviously not to you, but Ashkenazi <laughs> people on Passover aren't supposed to eat a certain type of grain that's called kitniot, right? Right. Um, and I asked the guy who worked there, who was clearly like, uh, like Salvadorian or Dominican, and I'm like, hey, do you know where the bamba is? And he looks at me. He's like, no, we don't have that. It's kitniot. Oh, my like, gosh. That's so <laughs> cute. I just thought it was amazing. It's like, so you know, cute. he was explaining to me. You know, he was. He looked at me like, of course we don't have that. It's like Passover. <laughs> Can you believe that half the Jews eat rice and beans, right? I mean, on pace on Passover, and the rest oh. of us don't. Who's it's, us? Well, I just don't eat bread. <laughs> well, you're not a good Jew. I'm just saying. Well, we know. That. I mean, that's kind of why we made this <laughs> podcast. I mean, we don't. Want to but, but I feel bad about it. Oh, you good? You should. So that has to count for something, right? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, being like. Not only am I Orthodox, but I'm also Hasidic. And even amongst Hasidim, I'm, you know, a certain sect of Hasidic, which is Chabad. And mm-hmm. we have probably the strictest Passover rules that anybody has. I mean, we don't really? eat we don't eat vegetables that are not peel that you can't peel. So if if there's a if there's like a fruit or a vegetable that you can't peel, we don't eat it. Like a blueberry? Right. Why? Because it might have like bread on it? We might have some kind of chametz on it, so we just don't eat anything like that. It's just wow. customs. I mean, don't start asking for like rational, logical explanation. It's customs, but we just what we don't eat. Peel the blueberry. So good question. We do <laughs> peel, <laughs> like I peel strawberries on Passover because I want to make things with strawberries. Strawberries aren't peelable. Well, I like cut the outside off. Um, or like we peel all our tomatoes, we peel, um, peppers. Um, this is why people think you're weird though. This is why, I mean, there's (laughs) literally 27,000 other reasons why, (laughs) but okay. If this is the reason, then fine. (laughs) If I go to a kosher restaurant and Passover, like, but, but like a real, but like a really kosher, like, is is, is there, if we wouldn't go to restaurants, no, we wouldn't go to a restaurant. Meal? We wouldn't go to a restaurant on Passover. Really? No way. We eat everything homemade, everything, like we barely eat any processed foods in general. Do you lose weight? No. Because it's like gluten-free. Yeah, but we're eating like potatoes and like, I don't know. I don't lose weight on Passover. What? How come we don't have holidays that we lose weight? Like Ramadan, <laughs> people lose weight. <laughs> How can we don't, we have Yom Kippur, big deal. It's like yeah. you're not going to lose weight from a fast for 24 hours. Yeah, because like, you eat double need... your weight before and after the fast. After, yeah. You gain weight. Why, can we petition to have like a holiday where we lose weight? Here's the problem. For mm-hmm. the most of human history, people were undernourished, right? Okay. So holidays were like a time to enjoy a little extra food. It's mm-hmm. only because we're such fat asses in this time that we live in that it's become an issue so we kind of have to re re-examine you know all our food choices when it comes to like our jewish celebrations. how about a holiday where you can only eat at a buffet so oh. you think you'd be eating a lot but it would be harder to access so you'd probably only be eating like once every few days yeah that's never gonna happen I, our well, people have I'll... starved we're not going back <laughs> yeah I, I i'm sure anybody who has or had a jewish grandmother Oh, my God. Um, I am personally making up for generations of, you know, undernourishment. Yeah, yeah. And there's so, always the Holocaust, like, looming over that if you don't finish the food of off course. your plate, you know, because like, your 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 great-grandparents starved 
and you know th- it doesn't make any sense of but. course my grandmother weighed like 65 pounds when she was liberated from Bergen-Belsen As, <laughs> you know I was gonna say Where nice you from there? I, <laughs> I, I once made a joke oh my god this is really gonna offend some people and I apologize in advance but I once made a joke that you know, I've because I've struggled with my weight my whole life, which maybe we'll do a podcast on one time. But um, I've said like the only diet that works is like a Holocaust diet, and like maybe I should make a cookbook, the Holocaust <laughs> diet cookbook, and it's like four pages, Potato right? Wheels. Yeah, yeah, it's like four pages long, and like that's all you can eat. And it's I can see people doing it. Like we're so obsessed with losing weight, I bet people would go for it. So we're starting a Kickstarter uh, <laughs> for Hialeah's Holocaust cookbook. Uh. <laughs> I mean, it's it's true. Like, I once had a friend complaining. I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. Like, I had a friend, and she was complaining. She was a heavy girl. And she, we were sitting around on a Friday night, and she's like, everything I've tried, I've tried keto, and I've tried, you know, Whole30, and I've tried this, and I've tried that, and I've never lost weight. It's just my metabolism. And someone who was sitting there, I'm not going to say who, but a friend of my family's whispered to me, she's like, there were no fat girls in the Holocaust. She didn't do everything she could have. And I'm like, and that is the title of today's episode. And there are no, there were no fat girls in the Holocaust. No, And that just like inspired my idea of like a cookbook that might actually work for someone like me. But anyway, well, I think people pay a lot of money to go to like fat camps where they tell them not to eat. Right. Of course. So They're starving I, them. Yeah. It's kind I of mean, the same thing. Uh, you know how people say, again, more medical advice for me. Um, oh, here we go. But you know how people always say, like, don't starve yourself, you know, go, go on a normal diet, eat in moderation. Um, and then a friend of mine did this, like, crazy diet that's like an apple a day or something. And she looks great. So <laughs> I don't know anymore. I really don't know anymore. But know, that's, that's a I good know. transition because... I wanted to, I don't know if you do New Year's resolutions or first of all, does New Year, does like, does New Year mean anything to you or are you living on in the same year as I am? <laughs> and like a Jewish, like, something. It's, yeah, very close. Okay. Um, I honestly, like the Jewish New Year does feel more real to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's just because also like the time of year that it falls out, like it's the beginning of the school year and Rosh Hashanah is always like right after the summer. And so it just feels like more authentically like the beginning of a new year rather than this like random day in January like that we just decide that now is a new year. <laughs> so I do tend to live more with like that as being my new year. Um and also like in the in the Haredi or Orthodox world, I mean like our calendar is just 100% a Jewish calendar. But yeah. I also live in this world and so, you know, I have to start like writing my checks with 2022. I mean, like the three checks that I'll write this year, probably. (laughs) Um, But I mean, I do, you know, it's always good to like sit back and like take stock of where you are and what's happening. And so there's no reason to ignore the new year. I mean, it's it's definitely a good time to think about what you want moving forward. I like um, I like New Year's resolutions. I like kind of end of year summary and and any yeah. time where I can like take like look back be like okay what have I done well this year what do I want to do better um it's it's hard though it's like you you get all that energy and all that excitement um for the first couple of weeks maybe of January but then it's hard to to stick to it especially if you have a resolution that's like tough 
I mean, mine doesn't even last past writing it down. Like I write it down and then it's immediately out of my head. So I don't know. I don't even know people like who keep it for like three weeks. Like good. That's I think that's really good. What's so what's your resolution aside from this podcast being like number one on? Oh, yeah. We're going to work on this podcast this year. I mean, I don't know. I say the same things every year. I'm going to work on my relationships. I'm going to. Why do you work on your relationships? Your relationships are great and nobody's (laughs) going anywhere. So I think you can cut that off your list. No, you have to always improve. Marriage is tough. That's, you got to work on it. Listen, that's a myth. I can <laughs> tell you. Myth. As a single woman. married, single person, you're going to tell me it's yes. a myth. Let me tell you. You don't 20- need to work on it. The, the other person needs to work. Yeah, the other, exactly. <laughs> I'm just going to, I have to just write instructions of how he needs to work on it. I need to tell okay. him exactly yeah, what to tell do. him how. Um, yeah, so I think, I don't know, I want to work on that and just get healthier. I mean, the same platitudes that everyone says, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, be more mindful, do better at work, you know. Do you listen to um, Dan Harris's podcast, not to be confused with Sam Harris, who I adore both of them, by the way. I love Sam. Um, I don't know Dan. I I love both of them. I Um, hope he's not some right-wing racist that you listen to. No, 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 no. That's, uh, (laughs) That's Joe Rogan. (laughs) Uh, I'm kidding. I love uh, Joe Rogan too. But Dan Harris is, he's um, a a news guy on ABC and he, his kind of claim to fame was that a few years ago he was doing a lot of drugs and kind of living a very like, you know, fast paced lifestyle. And he was on Good Morning America, which I I believe is the highest rated show on TV or at least one of them. Is that still on TV? Yeah. He had a panic attack on air. Really? Uh, Yeah. And then he decided to get into mindfulness and meditation and wrote oh. a book about it called 10% Happier. And he oh, has a like yeah. and everything. But he he approaches it from a very cynical New Yorker, nothing cheesy, oh, kind of tongue in cheek, but still like very legit. And I, I adore him. And if you like, if you promise me that you will use it, <laughs> I, I would like to gift you a subscription I, to I, his no. podcast. Please what? do not. Wait, that's, isn't that against Jewish law to like not accept a gift? No, I, I mean, I really appreciate that thought. Thank you so much. But I know myself <laughs> and like, I, I mean, I just can't do that. Like I love Sam Harris. And when he rolled out his like meditation app, yeah. I was like right there. I'm like, that's it. I'm becoming a meditator. I'm going to be like the most Zen person. <laughs> I'm going to win at meditating. I'm going to win. I couldn't even meditate for five seconds. I'm like, this is so boring. So then I like worked on it because everyone says, no, no, you have to put in the mm-hmm. effort and give you, you make little small, you know, improvements, 10 seconds, 30 seconds. Yep, yep. After like torturing myself for a few weeks, I'm like, I don't even enjoy this. I'm yep. like, F it. I don't know. I'm done. So like, well, I, don't know. I hate self-improvement. And here's why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just hate self improvement. Um, listen, do you want to be calm like me or not? So listen, I mean, I really do. <laughs> no, no, I I really believe in it. I obviously don't practice it nearly as much as I should, but um, he he breaks it down very well, and he says like it's not about like ten minutes of not. Uh, he's like if you if you're not thinking about anything for ten minutes, you're probably dead. So I it's know. not about it's not about ten minutes of relaxing. There's to me at least, there's very little relaxing about meditation. It's more, he calls it like a bicep curl. It's a bicep curl for your brain to um, 
just kind of try to be present. So every time you sit there for 10 minutes, you're thinking about whatever the fuck you're thinking about. It's totally okay. You're not supposed to not think about those things. Uh All you're supposed to do is just tell yourself, hmm, I'm thinking about that now. And that way he's like, that's the bicep curl. The bicep curl is next time you get into like some kind of, you know, spiral or anxiety, your brain is trained to say, uh, hey, you're you're thinking now and kind of disassociate. So now, in addition to medical advice, I will off- also offer <laughs> psychological advice. No, but like, honestly, um, Al, like, I pride myself on being a mess. Like, that's my personality. Like, I'm a messy thinker. I'm anxious. Yep. Like, I don't know. I can't, if I all of a sudden become this person who's like clear thinking and like very zen, like, who am I? I just, oh, no. I don't know. I I mean, shoot me in the face if I'm ever like, if I ever tell people like, all you need to do is take three deep breaths. Yeah. Oh my God. And in, in that case, like, please find another podcast. But partner. it does work for people. And I, I do want to acknowledge that. And I really admire people who like put in the work and like do and are really successful with put it. In the work. But exactly. You didn't clap your hands though. So I don't know if people yeah, understand what you fingers. mean. <laughs> but I just, I don't know. I, I like definitely thrive in this sort of like swamp that my head is and my brain is. Yeah. Well, you also have, I mean, I think Shabbat is helpful. It is a chance to unwind. Yeah. Because, and and I don't have that and I need to come up with my own version of um, not being too connected to my phone because it's, it's a place to escape to. Um, And yeah, yeah, it's true. Like I love my phone. Don't get me wrong. When I go, so I went on vacation to uh, Montana and Wyoming, and it was in in nature. And to tell you that at the end of the day, I didn't love checking in with my friends on Twitter and Clubhouse. Like I, I love right. it. It's a wonderful thing. It's just same needs to be done in in moderation. In moderation, of course, everything in moderation, except listening to this except podcast. Moder- except moderation. <laughs> Exactly. That's right. One said that. Um, everything in moderation except uh, listening to podcasts, rabbit holes. Yes. Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Yeah. Uh, oh, what's your New Year's resolution? So I haven't really um, sketched it out yet, but I was telling my my mother, who's uh, my mother's a therapist, and she's wonderful. It's actually her birthday today. Oh, um, happy birthday! You. Know, she was supposed to be here. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but I told my mother because I, I overthink and I ruminate and, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of people are, can sympathize with that. Yes. Is it sympathize or empathize? Or I both? don't know. I mean, a lot of people overthink. Yes. Um, and, uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I overthink so much that one time I went to see um, a therapist about overthinking and I literally showed up the pages <laughs> that I had printed out that I had Googled. Oh, and so she la- she's like, that's yeah, she's, she's like, you're, you're, I mean, it was kind of like a parody. That is but, really um, funny. But I, I, I overthink a lot and I told my mother, I want to do something and maybe I'll, I'll challenge our, our three listeners to do it as well. <laughs> that I, I'm trademarking this. It's not as good as your Holocaust diet. <laughs> but I'm calling it the big think. And Ooh. I just want to sit and like think about the things that I want to think about. Like yes. what's bothering me, what I want to change. I'll write it down. I'm not, and, and I'm not saying like, it's not going to be a blueprint, but what it will do, I hope for me is when I get in my head in on all these things that I want to change and I want to do, I'll be able to tell myself, yeah, 
you already thought about this. Like right. you've already done this. Revisit it maybe in six months or a year, but it, it will kind of give me a reason not to uh, kind of ruminate because I'll, I'll be able to tell myself yeah. it's already been done. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's great. And I think that, I mean, I would like to do that too, honestly. I mean, I know I make fun of it and like, I don't want to be a self-help person, but it is important for us to reflect on our lives. Mm -hmm. But I think anything with change, like from my experience, and this is what I tell my students all the time, like, it's just, you have to do the tiniest changes at a time. Like you can't bite off big things because that is just, it's hard to keep up. And then you feel unsuccessful when you do tiny little things at a time and you can be successful at it. You, I mean, this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like regurgitating like 25,000 self-help books that tell you the same thing, but just yeah. do small incremental changes and you can make a big difference in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, you know, they say, don't necessarily tell yourself like my goal is to lose 10 pounds or right. 20 pounds, but say, I want to eat like, you know, less carbs a day right, or right. more vegetables or something. But yeah, it's it's less exciting because it's cooler to be like, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to learn how to whatever. I can't um, even drive a marathon. Like I don't even, <laughs> I'm miserable driving 26 miles. I don't know how people run it. It's crazy. It is. Uh, I'm it impressed. Is no, it's impressive. I, but I would, I never, ever, I remember when I ran my first 5K, and I, I never, I thought it was the coolest shit ever that I was running a 5K. I never started out running saying like, I'm going to run a marathon. Some people do. I know some people yeah. who start triathlons and their goal is to do an Ironman. I'm like, you're insane. Oh my God. But, um, but yeah, you do a 5K and then you're like, maybe I'll do a train for a 10K. Maybe I'll train for a half marathon. And the next thing you know, you know, it's amazing. You, that's what you want. So, you know, I, I'm a, I'm big into breaking it up into little things, and then I'm exactly. I always kind of struggle with the line between uh, self improvement and not beating yourself up, which is yeah. hard. Yeah, you because... can't beat yourself up. That really sets you back. Mm-hmm. Um, you but then how to... do you get better if you're not being like you fat ass? Why'd you eat that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to let those thoughts. I mean, this is my opinion. You, like, you let that thought come into your head and then you just let it go. Like you can't. Oh, hello, Miss Don't Dan dwell Harris. on it. <laughs> you just don't, don't dwell on it. Crap. You're already you're already cured. Exactly. Just you know what you listen. You can get really down about things, but just start over every single day. Look, every morning when we wake up, we say this phrase, Moda'ani, right? Where we're like mm-hmm. thanking God for returning our souls to our bodies, and the idea is that like. We are so lucky as human beings that every single day is brand new. Like it's just, you have a fresh start every time you wake up. And so, and what do we do? We throw it away. We don't even take advantage of it. We like pretend that we're stuck in this same loop all the time, but really that's just in our heads because you, you can wake up. It? Like I mean, when you, when you say, well, Danny, do you, are, is it like the way I brush my teeth? It's like something I do, or do you actually like. It, it depends. I mean, a lot of the time it's just rote and I'm not thinking deeply into it. And maybe at those, you know, at that time I don't need to, but there are times when I'm so caught up in like something that's going on in my life or hardships or, you know, something that's happening in the world that's scary. And yeah, I do think about it. Like when I say those words, I'm like, okay, today's a new day. Like I slept, I'm awake again. I have to just try a different thing today or, you know, try it a new way or do something that is going to be different than what I did yesterday that obviously wasn't working for me. So I just think we don't take advantage of that enough. Like it's a gift really, and we should use it. So what you're saying is we should be grateful, huh? 
Exactly. Gratitude. I'm that person. It's not just gratitude, though. It's really a new start. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. honestly, I I was thinking about this the other day. Like, we've been married. My husband and I have been married for over 20 years. And it's like, I mean, is it possible to wake up one day and be like, I'm not going to be the same person I've been, you know, for the last whatever amount of time that, you know, it's been? And it is. Like, what's wrong with waking up and all of a sudden being super nice? Right. And super accommodating and complimentary or, you know, just viewing things in a different way, looking at your spouse or your friendships or whatever, or even work. I mean, oh, my God, with work. Are you kidding? Some days I wake up and I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm like fresh. (laughs) It's a new start. I have to like rethink everything I'm doing. I mean, I, I just we have to take advantage of that. And New Year's is a good time to think about that. But yeah, we have it every single day. You know what sucks is the older you get, the more cliches become true. <laughs> I know. I feel like a greeting card right now, but yeah. it's true. But because, and, and it's also like people tell you your whole life, yeah. like, be grateful, be grateful. And you're like, okay, everybody shut up. And I know, then I know. at some point you're like, oh, be grateful. <laughs> like, it clicks. Just, it clicks. Yeah. It clicks. I, I be love grateful, how, uh, but also be proactive. Like, don't sit on your yeah. ass and think that good things are just going to fly at you if you repeat platitudes of gratitude. Like, that's not going to work. Yeah, and I, yeah. I worry that people get caught up in that and they think that if they post it on their Instagram and they say it enough times that it's just going to happen. But, like, life requires you to, like, be active in, like, m- making the life that you want. So if you want it to be a good, happy, like fulfilling, meaningful life, you have to do something to acquire that. It doesn't just fall on your head. Is there like a like a, a Judaism angle to that? Or is that just like? Well, your- I mean, I would say I, I would obviously say yes. I think religion in general, any kind of religion um, helps you find that answer. I mean, if you listen, religion is complicated for people. Some people are very have very negative feelings and very negative like experiences. So I can't talk for everyone. But for those of us who have had good, meaningful experiences through their religious life, I mean, obviously, I think it helps a lot. I mean, it gives you a structure, it gives you sort of a, a foundation for how to think about what a le- what your life could look like or should look mm-hmm. like. Um, I think a lot of people just don't know. So, you know, when you're religious, like, it's just easier. But what is um what does Judaism say about and this is something that I've struggled with and um I, I think a lot of people struggle with as well, is about looking around you and seeing what other people might have or and comparing yourself, not necessarily your friends, uh, not necessarily jealousy, but more of yeah. a comparison. I mean, I think that there is a place for comparison. I mean, if I look around and I see someone who I think is a really good person doing really good things and doing really well, be jealous of them, like, and try to emulate them, right? Like, use them as an example of about me. That's why I want to be with you all day because, like, I just (laughs) I really want to emulate you. My jealousy towards you uh, comes out as resentment. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's the fine line, right? Like, and again, like, it's also, it depends if you're talking about like material things, obviously being jealous over someone's material goods is bad. I mean, it's not going to do anything for you. It's only going to make your life worse. But, you know, if you see someone who's like a great philanthropist, giving tons of charity, um, has a beautiful family, all these types of things. And, you know, I think it's okay to say like, I strive to be more like that person, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't, I think there is a place for looking around and saying like, okay, I want to be more like that, you know, less like what I am right now. Yeah. Well, I guess I was asking from a place of, you know, 
like social media and if you're you're scrolling through Instagram and everybody yeah, that's bad. Like, they're happy. No, that's um, that's just that's so sad and bad and like it's it's mm-hmm. a bunch of lies and no one's life is that easy and perfect and everybody knows that already and it's just like the only thing you should do when you scroll through Instagram is like tell yourself in your head all the funny stories about what's really going on behind the scenes of that like perfect looking person like <laughs> that person also sits on the toilet and has diarrhea once in a while you know what I mean like you can't believe that that person just has this magnificent life 24 7 because it just yeah. doesn't exist. I actually follow a lot of um, like meme accounts on Instagram that have very kind of self-deprecating humor. That's um, the best. Which, you know, I, I think is hilarious. I don't follow many celebrities. I follow a lot of fitness accounts. So those yeah, can be Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like I follow, I don't follow a lot of celebrities, but like I follow Reese Witherspoon for some reason. So yeah, I could look at her life and be like, oh my gosh, look at her house, look at her kids, look at her, she's gorgeous, her husband's gorgeous, her kids are stunning, they have this rich life. Between her and her daughter, they look I mean, they look exactly the same. But if you think about it, she's probably like on medication, not happy, anorexic. I mean, she divorced the best looking guy in the whole world. I don't know why. You don't like him? No. Ryan Ryan Phillippe? Oh, he's he's so, such a pretty boy. I know. I think he's... You like pretty boys. Come on. Cruel Intentions. You remember that movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but what you're... So what you're saying, Rabbitson, is... Yeah, Rabbitson. Oh everyone God. is miserable. <laughs> so, everyone is, okay. has challenges. That's the way to say it. Everybody okay. has challenges. Well, we do have... Because um, I guess we should wrap it up soon. We should we wrap it up. Anything that we want to talk about. Well, let's just do a quick like end of year. Like what was the best book you read this year? Or what was the best TV show? Any rec- uh, we should give some recommendations. Give some recommendations? Okay. Uh, well, you go first. Okay. Um, I thought about this. That's why I have my answer ready. Okay. <laughs> so- <laughs> I'm going to think about you say your answer. <laughs> so the best book I read this year, and I love to read, um, was the book that Dara Horn put out called People Love Dead Jews. Oh, it is an I heard excellent book. Um, okay. It's a collection of essays and I enjoyed every single one of them. It's, it's great. I mean, it's, I, is it depressing? there are things in there that you will like, you've probably never thought of or heard of um, things about like Anne Frank, uh, things about like Jews in China that I didn't really know much about. Um, just different ways of thinking about like how the media covers um, you know, anti-Semitism and dead Jews and how we think about it as Jews. And I really, really enjoyed it. And I want to give a big shout out to Dara Horn for that incredible book. People love dead Jews. Okay. Buy it and read it. Love dead Jews. Okay. So that was your favorite book of the year. Yes. And And what about so? Okay. So TV wise, um, <laughs> I did love Schtissel, and we should talk about Schtissel one day. But um, I got into Korean TV shows this year. I don't know why, but I'm basically Korean now and understand the language. Um, but I would recommend two that I really enjoyed. One is a little older. It's from. It takes place during like like before World War One, and it's called Mister Sunshine. And the okay. other one is like more modern day. It's called Rain or Shine. But they were both really good. Wow, K-drop. but it's a commitment. It's a commitment. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I really enjoy it. Listen, I'll tell you what, it's very clean. Like mm-hmm. they don't, it's not sexy. 
Um, it's romantic. Okay. They're very romantic, but they are not sexy. Um, so I don't know. I just think it's really sweet. They the storyline, like the storytelling is really deep and beautiful, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I've been watching now that I'm I'm sick, uh, or I was sick, and I don't know if it's my favorite show of the year, but it's definitely the one that's been uh, taking up a lot of my brain space. Uh, I've been watching Succession. Have you watched that? I don't know how you can say that it's not your favorite show. You literally made a WhatsApp group just to discuss <laughs> that show. It's because like I'm you, obsessive, not because it's feel my like, show. I feel like you love that show very much. I, I, I do. I do love that show. But, you know, but I recognize it's kind of like 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 with dating. Like if, if I was dating Succession, I would be like, wow, this guy's like really exciting. And like, I'm really, really yeah. into him, but I don't think it's going to last I don't know. I've only uh, watched two episodes. Like it's, it's, I'm not sure it's yet. It's not very deep. It's not very deep. Right. Uh, right. But it's it's great. It's it's well written. It's about a very very rich, awful family. And all I can think when I watch it is like, thank God they're they're not Jewish because they just, they sound like <laughs> like a rich Jewish media so family, but they're not. They're actually how about books? Did you read any good books this year? Um, yes. Yeah, so I read uh, I read a few great books this year. Um, I, I don't know where to start. Well, I, I can you, I can. I can take your, I, I, I see your uh, people love dead Jews and raise you uh, Jews don't count by David Baddiel. Oh who yeah. Is a British comedian. I think that I was a great book. Of him before uh, it's a very short book. You can listen to it on audible. The author uh, narrates it and it, it's, it's funny, but it's also depressing. And it, he just gives uh, example upon example of why it's okay to, uh, kind of kick around the Jews, uh, according to the media, according to popular right. opinion and polite society. And, uh, you know, I'm not one, this is the Israeli in me, like, I don't like to play victim or even right. say, like, people should not say this and that about Jews. Uh, but when you compare it to uh, other religions, and also when you see how it's used as an excuse by people with actual cruel intentions Ugh, exactly um it is it, it is mind-boggling the things that people get away with again not not legally get away with but like in polite right. society right that you right, say. right right um and you know there there were two uh the other day i only heard about it from instagram actually um there were uh two kids kids like you know teenagers or early 20s in brooklyn one of them was walking around with an idf shirt and some guy came up to him yeah. and told him you know, uh, he said, uh, why are you supporting those dirty Jews? And then punched him in the face. Yeah, it's great. And, so and nice. harmed him, you know, injured him. Wonderful. I saw it. I found the, um, the NYPD, like, hate crimes photo of the of the the guy. But, like, like, I don't feel like anybody's talking about this stuff outside the Jewish community. So David Badil's book talks yeah. about how, you know, Jews don't count. Um, yeah, and then the other one. book I read this year you know what book we uh, loved we you're forgetting one that we both read that we love days of rage oh days of rage was so good yes that was a great um, book if anybody wants to read about the weather underground and uh sort yeah. of the black panthers in the 60s uh, it's, it's what really wish they were exactly it's a really it's, good book yeah it's about all the history of like uh of leftist radicalism in the 60s and really just it's a page turner yeah. It's such an interesting book. Um, the other book I wanted to recommend, uh, and, and it's a book that was written in 1993, but it is when you read it, you're like, I can't believe this wasn't written this year. 
uh, and it's Kindly Inquisitors uh, by Jonathan oh, yeah. Rash, who, yes. let's face it, madly in love with him. He is about uh, 100 years old. He's gay. Yes. But but he's Jewish. So <laughs> there you go. You know, maybe One there's out a chance. Of three. Um, but Kindly Inquisitors is a book. I don't know if I would call it a book about free speech. Um, definitely not like the legal definitions of free speech, but more the scientific underpinnings of it. Yeah. And to me, uh, the reason I love that book so much is because it talks about kind of, and, and you know, and, and, the, and the book may have gone completely over my head. So uh, Mr. No, Rouse, you're, Dr. You're Rouse, right. I apologize if I'm, if I'm, <laughs> mis- it's about a princess that goes into the forest. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's about what, what I really took away from the book is how truth is kind of a destiny is, is kind of a journey and not a destination. Right. So there, there should always be every, every piece of information, every truth that you hold dear can and should be subjected to challenges. And it's kind of a process. And me for, for my like neurotic mind, it was actually really helped me think because it, it learned, it it helped me learn that there is no, no such thing as certainty. And again, I don't know if that was what, you know, the most important thing for the author, but to me, I took away the idea that it's okay to be uncertain. And not only is it okay, it's kind of the foundation of, of modern liberalism is that uncertainty and that idea that you constantly want to be presented with new information and nobody has a monopoly. Nobody has a final say. Right. I actually have it with me here in Vegas, that book. Really? Uh, yes. I haven't I haven't had time to read it all since I got here, but it's definitely something that I'm interested in reading. And I'm curious how it stands up today, like with sort of the culture and the climate that we're in. Um, it's unbelievable. I, yeah, it's I'm so, excited to read it. I was shocked. I only found out it was written in 1993, I think, when I was halfway through. And I, I'm, I'm reading it again now. Um but it, it's it's mind blowing, and and he is yeah. a lefty of lefties, like he is a he is a lib, as they say, right, right. Um, and you know, but but a lot of people uh, read it now if they're interested in cancel culture because it really talks about, you know, just the foundations and and digs deeper into why free speech is important, not legally, but but you know, as as a human as human race, and oh, you just I'm feel. A- harder when you read yeah. it. I, I'm an absolutist when it comes to free speech. I think every single thing should be allowed to be said. Um, you don't have to like it. You don't have to repeat it. You don't have to agree with it. But I'm an absolutist. Um, and if you are interested, you should read Christopher Hitchens' writings on free speech or listen to him talk about it because that really convinced me. I, I changed my mind. I did not, I didn't really understand it before. And I thought like, no, it should only be the things that are like passable and mm-hmm. polite society. Like I don't want people denying the Holocaust or I don't want, you know, any of that stuff. But he really convinced me that like, it's just never a good idea to have someone deciding what speech is allowed and what's not allowed because eventually someone's going to decide that what you want to say is not allowed. And so yeah. I've become well, like an absolutist when it comes to That's what drives me crazy in politics today is, is nobody ever thinks when, when, when they decide on some, you know, kind of crazy ruling for the benefit of everyone um nobody seems to take into account that you know you're setting a precedent and next right. year or two years from now it can be the other guy in office and exactly. he'll be able to do the same thing 
Exactly. But how does that? So, how many how many um, Hasidic fans does uh, Christopher Hitchens have? How many in your in your fan club? <laughs> oh in my your gosh! Club, um, I'm a Hitchens big, book club. I'm a big Hitch fan. I mean, you know, I, surprisingly, I think probably a lot. Um, really? I, I, I don't know. I'll be honest. I don't know much of his work. I read a few essays, but people don't realize that. I I mean, and I could be totally wrong atheist, about this. Right? Yeah, he was a big atheist. I mean, and you can take that or leave that. But I think that um, in general, a lot of Orthodox Jews are very libertarian um, mm-hmm. without even knowing it. I think yeah. like it's just like kind of built in and they don't know. I'm not to make it not to make them sound stupid, but it's not it, it's just not something that, you know, they don't teach you in school what being a libertarian means. And then as you get older, you start to realize that like, hey, you know, this actually matches much better to my lifestyle. Um, and so I think like anybody who writes with that kind of lean and not that to say that Christopher Hitchens was a libertarian, but, you know, definitely a freedom loving uh person who who really understood what it meant to be free in a mm-hmm. democracy and uh people like in my community really understand that i mean we're traumatized i'm not i, I don't think it's it's unfair to say that like yeah we are a traumatized people from you know generations of like a lot oppression. of good faith in governments and rightfully yeah, so <laughs> exactly there's a lot we don't trust the government i think there's a lot of mistrust and a lot of skepticism and 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 to some degree fear i think people in my community do fear the government to an extent and there's um, also a reliance on and correct me if i'm wrong on community of right course. So if you're sick or if of you're course. a kid you, yeah. you'd rather have a neighbor or friend or a family of course. we have our oh, own ambulance sh- services i mean yeah. we've talked about this i think before like we have our own ambulances we have our own police forces like mm-hmm. the showroom and shmira so like the idea that i i think it just he whatever it's just it, it makes sense for an orthodox jew to like him regardless of his absolute hatred of religion and anything who's, uh, who's hotter uh hitch or sam harris i mean that's Oh boy. Or Jonathan Roush. I mean, here's the thing. Sam is like clean meditation, like super, you know, like he has no diseases. You know what I mean? Christopher Hitchens is like a drunk who smoked and like, but that's also kind of hot. I don't know. Yeah. So that's like, a really tough choice. That is actually my, my they're life. They're just like opposites. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't know. So just go with Jonathan Roush. I don't know anything about him. I, I can't say, but he's gay. Um, right? So... He's not He's looking gay. at either of us. Well, yeah, but maybe, you know, maybe we can we can pique him intellectually. Um, yeah, exactly. He is. He looks like somebody who would be, like, doing your taxes. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He looks um, Jewish, you're saying? He looks quite Jewish. Not quite to sound Jewish. anti-Semitic, but if you would have to draw a Jew in a, you know... I meant to ask, I, I have to ask Michael Moynihan about, about this more, but about um, how Hitch felt, because he was Jewish. I think he, he found out. Yeah. I think he found out. I'm not, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me right now, but I do believe that he found out later in life that his mother was Jewish or he knew that, but wasn't raised Jewish. I can't remember what yeah. it is. Um, and Sam Harris is also Jewish. Yeah. Um, Sam Harris is Jewish. Which he I talks think. about. I, I'm curious yeah. if, if Moynihan knows anything more about Hitch and how he felt about being a Jew. I'd be curious uh, to know. Well, we should ask him. He, we, we need him to come on the show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we do have some cool guests lined up. So we're actually yes, I'm excited. Very excited um, for people you thought were Jewish. And I just want to say, as we wrap up here, a big thank you to 
to you, Yael, for pushing me to do this and really making this happen. Um, I love it. And I hope we'll continue this year doing, you know, whatever it is, weekly or biweekly, whatever we decide. Um, I love doing it. It's fun. I really appreciate Nancy and everything that she's doing to make it happen. Um, So thank you to Nancy Rommelman and Paloma Media and to all our listeners. (laughs) It it is really, really fun. It doesn't feel like work. It's never for me. No, it's great. Do this. Um, and the more wonderful. our listeners share, the better it is for us, you know, to oh, get more listeners. Follow us. I, yes, I sound please. like stupid, like you two people. Like and subscribe. I um, know, but that's the big game. We got to do that. Um, tell people who you think might enjoy. Send us questions on Twitter. Uh, I'm LBT on Twitter. I'm says CL at says S-A-Y-S-C-L. Um, and yeah, I mean... Or slide into our DMs on Instagram. Slide into our DMs. We do have a question, <laughs> but we have we can get to it next uh, next week. Okay. Um, and we have some. Can cool I have a preview on- of what the question is, or no? No, no, no. Okay. no. You have to. You're gonna have to answer it. Um, all the questions are so far to Hialeah about like Hasidic things. But if you're a Hasidic person and you want to ask me about my fabulous lifestyle, that's um, right. I can tell you what you know. Uh, coconut shrimp tastes like <laughs> delicious. <laughs> Anyway, uh, okay, I got to go back right. to the, you know, my gambling. Go back my gambling to addiction. Exactly. Okay. All right. Happy happy new year, happy 2022. It should be a good year for everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.